We're on the road with Mickey, we're gonna have some fun. Regardless of the rain or sun, our trip has just begun. So buckle up, let's go, we're about to start the show. And maybe if you like us, you'll see where else we'll go. Hey everyone, I'm Mike, and she's Sophie. And she's Brenda. Hi everyone! And he's Grogu, and we're on the road with Mickey. This is episode 191 for October 23rd, 2023. And our feature topic this week is 50 Years of a Christmas Carol with our special guests, Ira David Wood III and Ira David Wood IV. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for joining. Um, we normally have our cheddar from the big cheese, but this week we are going to forego that and we will have more cheddar next week, but we are going to go straight into our feature topic, which is talking more about 50 years of a Christmas Carol. This is a um, regional favorite because it's, it's, presented mostly in the Raleigh Durham area of North Carolina. Um, but it is, it's always awesome to be able to talk with our good friends. So we are welcoming back our friend and local legend, Ira David with the third and his son, Ira David with the fourth, as we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the production of a Christmas Carol. So welcome back to the show. Amazing. Um, yeah, Amazing. it is yes. just the idea of doing something for that long and loving it every single time is just as it is amazing, as Brenda was yeah. saying. Um, I started when I was 12 years old, okay? Hey. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, <laughs> and Ira actually, I, thanks for having us. That was great. Yeah, Ira's first appearance in the show, he was only weeks old. Really? Oh, nice. We brought him on stage, so he started he started early. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that's a story we're going to have to hear about. <laughs> well, we have a tradition in the show that um when a newborn joins our family and we mm-hmm. we refer to the cast and crew as family, and that's the way we approach it every year. And whenever a member of the family has a newborn, our tradition is to bring the baby on stage after the curtain call. We just close the curtains and I sing the Christmas lullaby to the baby. And in 50 years, we've never had one cry. It's an incredible moment. You can feel the love just roll across the stage. And I've always said, I think if, if a baby can feel that that love at an early age, yes. think, I think yes. it's forming. So we bring them out, and it's a special moment, and has been for 50 years. I got to sing to Ira when he was a baby, to Evan, oh. to Thomas, and to my grandson. So it's it's you know carried on through the years. Yay! That's that awesome. Is so wholesome. Yeah, it's a special, special time for us. Yeah. It sounds Beautiful. like a great time. And to think you've been doing it for 50 years, that's half a century. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's gone by in the blink of an eye. 
it, it, it has. Yes. Somebody it asked me um, several days ago, it said it must be a very emotional thing for you. And it, has it hit you yet? And I said, no, because I think right now our focus is on mounting the best show we can for this year and getting it up on the boards. I said, I think it will hit me when the curtain closes for the last time. And oh. I, you know, I, I kind of look around and go, well, it's been a great ride. I mean, I'm going to be directing as long as I can, and mm -hmm. uh, but at 76 years old, I just have decided and have always said if we reach the 50-year mark, uh, that's a good time to to hang it up and pass the torch to the next generation. And Ira's fabulous in the role. I when I watch him, it's like an out-of-body experience. I. I He's he's managed to imitate a lot of the things that I do and yet bring so much of his own inventiveness and creativity to the role that I sit back. I copy him a lot. You know, the stuff <laughs> I, I take it and use it. So oh, really? and he's got the energy. Um, I mean, with the pratfalls and the physical humor. Now, when I look down at the stage floor, if I know I have to do a pratfall, it looks a lot further than it used to look. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's time to say, okay, the younger generation can take over and he's going to do a fabulous job. The show's in really, really good hands. I'm oh, sure yes, it is. Certainly. Not to mention he's a spitting image of you from what <laughs> I can see. He's more handsome than I. When I was young, I mean... I've always played character roles because uh, I've always had Scrooge legs. He's got more meat on his bones than I ever did. So he, <laughs> he, he looks a little better than I do, I think. So Ira, how long have you been doing something with regards to the show? Um, since I was a baby, my mom carried me out as a, an infant for a scene. And ever since then, I've been off and rolling. And I think I did uh, Tiny Tim in 88 or 89. So, uh, yeah, ever since then, I've just been sticking with it. Wow. He so you may have. He may have played more characters than anybody uh, else. He's played Christmas Future. He's done the Lamplighter. He's done Tiny Tim. He's done the nephew, Fred, so and Scrooge now. So that's, uh, you know, he's kind yeah. of really going wow. through. Wow. And that, that makes is it even better. Seriously impressive. Too. Yeah. 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 That's cool. All right. So, um, and then, like, we know you are all over the Raleigh Durham area with the show, but like, I don't know of any other places where you've performed it. Is there somewhere else where maybe you've put on the show, or is it just here? Uh, we performed for 20 years in Columbia, South Carolina over Thanksgiving. Wow. In fact, Ira and Evan never had Thanksgiving at home, really. We always uh, celebrated in a hotel in Columbia, South Carolina. We would go there and raise funds for the Babcock Center Foundation. And uh, we've taken the show to France twice. We've taken it to our sister city, Kingston upon Hall, England once. And those experiences have been amazing. Uh, we didn't do the, the show in French. Uh, we had a lamplighter who was fluent in French, and he would set up each scene. 
and then we would come out and we were, you know, very physical. And my favorite story about being in France, I mean, there's a lot of wonderful stories, but, uh, you know, in France, they practically canonized Jerry Lewis. They love Jerry Lewis and he's I received, know that. oh, he's received every award possible in France. <laughs> so, and, and since we add topical humor to the show, I figured that would be a great time when Christmas future opens the book and says date of death and Scrooge says, wait a minute, who's death? And Christmas future says yours. I thought I could go into Jerry Lewis and do my in, an impersonation <laughs> of Jerry Lewis and go, oh no, please let me <laughs> know when you said no, no. So I did it and it was crickets, no laugh. <laughs> oh no. And oh. I thought I was going like, is the mic on? Did he speak? <laughs> so I figured I'll try again. So I said, as Jerry Lewis would say, oh, oh, oh. nothing. So mm. I got on stage and I went to our cultural liaison. I, I said, Michelle, qu'est-ce que c'est Jerry Lewis? I thought everybody loved Jerry Lewis in France. And she said, well, we do, but you must understand his voice is dubbed. Oh, oh goodness gracious. <laughs> he didn't know what his real voice sounded like. So, oh. Oh okay. no. <laughs> I thought you were we gonna say we that learn, they were right? insulted that we you were we <laughs> Well oh, we did that's fun. we did ask them uh you know when the show was over if they understood it and they all said, Oh yes, it was very clear to us. Um the other thing we found out was they don't applaud they stomp their feet on the floor and I, we thought that they were rushing the stage when we heard it first time. it sounded like, a, it sounded like a, a stampede of buffalo or something you know coming down but yeah they they were wonderful and i must say if you walk down the street with the christmas carol sweatshirts that we had People would come out of stores, you know, and, and give you bread, just give you stuff. They oh, had North Carolina sweet. flags in the windows of the stores. Wow. Uh, Compiègne, our sister city, is where the railroad car was for Germany to surrender in World War One, And Hitler had it brought back and had France surrender in that same car in World War II. And then he, he took the railroad car to Berlin and it was later destroyed once Germany started losing the war. But um, Compiègne is, um, it's an incredible place. He, he left as soon as uh, France surrendered. He was driven in his limousine up to a hill overlooking Compiègne and he said, burn it. And they burned the city and it's rebuilt, but on the foundations, you can see the, the charred foundations underneath the buildings that have, that have come up around Compiègne. And in all of those places, the feeling of friendship and you know former allies and that kind of thing, which we take for granted sometimes, um, these people are so friendly and so willing outgoing. My uncle, uh, Carol uh, Wood, is buried in Normandy. And our first trip over, 
I didn't know what cemetery. Uh, my mother didn't remember. And I was um, going to try to find out. And I told our cultural liaison that uh, I, I would go to the embassy. I would search it that way. And I, But I told her, I said, look, we're here to do PR for you. And I'll take care of it at some point. And she took my hands and hers and tears came into her eyes. And she said, no, David, he came to save us and he died alone. You have to go and visit. And the next day, her next door neighbor came to our hotel and put an index card in my hand that said, First Lieutenant Carol Thomas Wood, St. Laurence Mayor, Section C, Grave 29. And I wow. just, how did find this and it, it's well he said my father was in the french resistance he found your uncle and so we we drove to cemetery and um even today there's some families in compiègne who put flowers on my uncle's grave and uh so it's a spe it's just a special kind of friendship exactly that, yeah that we kind of take for granted sometimes at, at how people look at America and and how we figure in in the lives of people who fought wars with us, you know, shoulder to shoulder. So that's one of many stories out of 50 years of, of doing a Christmas carol. Very yeah. sweet. Wow. Very so different Ira. from the opinion I usually get from French, <laughs> how they feel about Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we tried to, our best to leave, you know, I bet you did too. And of course, when we got ready to leave, uh, we were all on our buses and they were going to drive us back into Paris where we would get on the plane to come home. And God bless them. They all came out with loaves of bread. Oh, and, that's so uh, French bread is so we're, yummy. We're getting on the bus with just all <laughs> loaves of bread. But we had, we were ready for hot dogs, I got to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So in the buses took off as we got down the highway. We just op opened the windows and those loaves of bread just went out. We said, just get us <laughs> to New York and have a hot dog. <laughs> but so they Ira, do you they have any um do you have any memories or special moments from the show that you would like to relay? I don't want to leave you out of the whole conversation here. Oh yeah, gosh. So I mean from all the years, there's there's so many. Uh, one thing that that comes to mind, um, just thinking about parts I've played in this show, is uh, we don't do it anymore. But uh, Scrooge, once upon a time, used to throw a, a blind old lady beggar into the orchestra pit. <laughs> oh my goodness! She would, she would come out with a cup and a cane, begging, and Scrooge would say, "Oh, here, let me just help you across the street," and would shove her in the pit. And one year I got to be the old lady and I got to put oh. the, the dress and the wig and the little, it's like the grandmother from the Tweety Bird cartoons. Oh. <laughs> and so, and we had a mattress in the, uh, in the pit and I would do a flip and fall in. But one great story is um, when I wasn't doing it, there was someone else who was playing the bird lady. And I forget who is, what, do you know who his name was, dad? Do you remember? Greg Smith. Greg Smith. And he went to go land in the mattress and they had just had the box spring put down and they forgot to put the mattress on top of oh, the box no. spring. Oh. So he hits the box spring and 
flies back up into the audience's point of view and <laughs> lands back down. And I guess the guys in the orchestra pit or someone went down there and looked at the box spring and there was a lipstick imprint from oh, him no. realizing he was about to hit just the box spring went. Oh <laughs> no. Please tell me he wasn't hurt. Mark out of the box spring and save it. I still have it. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Oh, please oh, tell me he didn't get hurt. He di he didn't really get hurt, but I remember looking down in the pit oh, at him and he rolled over on the box springs and looked up at me and said, <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. That is a great story. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Poor well, guy. We have oh, had Lord. we have had I think three or four proposals on stage. Oh sweet. We have had one wedding on stage. Wow. Like real legit wedding? A legit wedding. Scrooge was the flower girl. Uh <laughs> It was uh, in Act Two, you know, when Scrooge has had a change of heart, and it, one of, one of our cast members had proposed, and they decided they wanted to get married. And I said, "Well, you know, with it's got to be a short ceremony because we get we have a show to do." And they said, "Fine." So she came down the aisle in her wedding dress. They came up on the stage. We had a minister right there. He basically just said, "Do you? Do you? I pronounce you." Boom, and we were. We were out of there. Somebody came up after that the next day and said, do you do that every night? <laughs> <laughs> no. David, no. you need to stop. You're raising my expectations here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um, always uh, the guy who's going to propose will get in touch with us, of course, ahead of time. And we work it all out. And we have the, the Christmas box that the little Christmas ghost appears in. Mm -hmm. So the the guy who's going to propose will excuse himself and tell the, his fiance he's going to the restroom and he comes backstage. They'll put on the tuxedo. They'll have roses. They have the ring and they get in the box and it comes out at the end of the show. Scrooge has a change of heart and we call this kid back up on stage that we've taken a dollar bill from in the first act and we give the dollar bill back to the kid but then the box comes up and we act like we've drawn a name out of a hat and it's the girl and we ask her to come down on stage that we've got another magic oh, trick we're going to oh, do sweet. and she'll come down on the stage and i always say um you're a very attractive young lady. Are you here by yourself tonight? And she always says, no, my, I'm here with my boyfriend. And I go, oh, oh, where is he? Is he up in the audience? And she goes, no, he's in the restroom. It always gets a laugh. Then I say, well, he can't, he can't hear us then. So it's just you and me. Is this serious? I mean, you know, <laughs> I think this is going to really go somewhere. What if he proposes, you know? I, and she, I don't know. And we open the box and say, well, let's find out. And he comes up with the roses. And that's the only time I think the first time we did it, when he said, will you marry me? It just occurred to me. Oh, my gosh. She could say no. <laughs> yeah. And what will we do? But and they've all said yes. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. So um, 
very special. And then they come back every year, and that's their anniversary to spend. Yeah. So the family is a big family. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we had uh, one young man who was in the show, played the nephew uh, during one of the uh, years. And he eventually joined uh, the Air Force and ended up in South Korea flying a helicopter over the parallel that, you know, the separates South Korea from North Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said what they do is they put rock music on and they have speakers on the helicopter and they blare rock music into North Korea when they're flying. And he said, it was my turn to fly that helicopter. And he said, I had my CD of a Christmas carol. So I put a Christmas carol on our speaker. So he said, they've heard the music in North Korea. So, didn't even that's know. cool. <laughs> didn't even know. And I have a, a, a one more story. I was in Beijing, China, in the Forbidden City once. And I'm standing there looking at this. I mean, it's just mind-boggling this, how incredible this place is. And there was an American couple standing next to me, and the wife looked over and, and she said, "Excuse me, are you Ebenezer Scrooge?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> I said, "Yes, and you all have tickets to the show this year." Wow, that is fabulous. Yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. You know, one of the things that. I love hearing all the places that it's been. Um, and and I know um, with this tech-heavy world we're in now, you know, us all talking via Skype and mm. recording in different areas of, of the country, um, do you ever see a Christmas carol, or has it ever been that a Christmas carol has been um, produced for a digital, like a streaming service or something like that where you guys would perform and people all over would be able to, to witness who can't be there in, in person. Like a stage play. Yeah. It was videotaped for television by WRL years ago. We were still performing at theater in the park. Um, and of course during COVID when we had the lockdown and we had to cancel, we have what we call, we always take a video each year of the show for archival purposes. And it was just one camera in the back of the theater and we had videoed the show the year before. And we said, well, let's take this video and run it through uh, some software to see if we can do cutaways and, you know, come in on the action. And we were able to do it. It was never meant to be broadcast quality, but we ended up uh, showing it and, and people could log on and, and see the show. So we have done it twice. Uh, when we did it for WRL, we could do more special effects. The ghost would actually appear and, uh, in the bubbles, like the wizard of Oz, they could come in and, you know, there are special effects and things like that you can do. But, um, uh, and so I, I have said it would be nice to get a really broadcast quality of the production in case there was ever a time that we would need to air it if we couldn't go live, like during the COVID. Yeah. That'd and be you know, nice be... for me, unless you're going to be coming to Houston or Galveston anytime soon. 
<laughs> well, you know, one of the things that you think about is if we if we had it and we could broadcast, it would affect the number of people who come to see the show. Yeah. So um, it it's it's kind Seeing of it live is still the best. Yes, and and nothing takes the place of of a live show. And and we were talking a little bit about that before we actually came on the air uh, as as to how I think the audience knows it's so special because what they're seeing is of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, each audience is different. They respond differently. They laugh in different places. And you play to the audience every night and you're tailoring the show to them. And uh, it's very special. Like I said, we stopped the show when Scrooge in, in Act One and we call a kid up from the audience. And we do what we call Scrooge's Christmas trick. And it basically, he takes a dollar bill from the kid and makes it disappear and doesn't give, doesn't give it <laughs> the second act. But every night when we call the kid up, it's a different kid. And that yeah, magic yeah. trick is totally different. And I think that the audience doesn't realize how much you're redlining the show right there. Because you can't, you can't mistreat that kid. You, you know, you have to be Scrooge and yeah, you have yeah. to take that dollar bill and he puts it in one of those magic bags and we do the mat and he reaches in. Of course, the dollar bill is gone and Scrooge tells him it's scotch tape to the bottom of your seat in the audience. And he runs back. And of course, it's not there. And Scrooge says, is it there? And the little kid will yell out, no. And Scrooge goes, too bad. And then he says, how do you think a man like me got to be a man like me? And the audience just dies. Now, Ira, Ira does a Christopher Walken imitation that I can't do. Awesome. And I watch, I watch him do it every time the kid comes up and I'm rolling on the floor. And oh it's my gosh. So depending, you know, you Scrooge is different every other night because Ira takes it one night, I take it one night. And I just love to watch what he comes up with and I steal all of it and use it, you know, when I'm on stage. So he's he's the one with a creative touch. I have to hear the Christopher Walken impression. I have to hear it. Oh, so what what I usually will throw in is um, I go to get a, a magic hat from backstage and I go, uh, I, you know, whatever the kid's name is, I say, look, uh, this is my magic Shriners hat. Or as Christopher Walken would say, hello, little man. Your father <laughs> asked me to give this hat to you when you were old enough. And that's when the audience, it takes a few beats to, to get that I'm doing Pulp Fiction. And I ride the laugh a little bit, and then I'll go look at the little kid, and I'll, I'll say, it's okay, there's a lot of good reasons you haven't seen that movie. And it gets another laugh, and then we keep just rolling oh, on hilarious. through, and it goes over the kid's heads, but the, the adults get it. It's a little, it's a nice God. little wink. That is awesome. You have to add in that they got to have a little more cowbell. <laughs> we'll have that in the pit this year. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's that funny. Great. great job. So, for the 50th anniversary, anything anything special that you guys are going to be doing that's specifically because this is the 50th anniversary? Well, we're we're going to have a um an evening 
at the art museum where uh, we celebrate with a party, a fundraiser. Uh, also, we have some uh, people from the family who are coming back. Um, Evan, my daughter, will be back. Um, Frankie Munitz, who's Malcolm in the Middle, uh, will be here. Michael C. Hall, who was Dexter on HBO. Um, kids who were in the show and have, you know, gone off and, and made a name for themselves. We, we are inviting all of the former cast and crew to come back. And right now we have around 200, I think, who are coming back from all over nice. the country. And what we do on our reunion performance, which is December the 10th, uh, a matinee, it's a Sunday, is at the very end of the show before we close it out with uh, singing the first Noel and Joy to the World. We pause the show and Scrooge actually invites the former family members to join us on stage. And when you get 200 people joining a cast of over 80 people, and they're all singing. We lift the roof off of Memorial Auditorium, and it's it's just wonderful. And I, I must say, to stand on that stage when we invite them, and I, you know, we just have to stand there. They they play music while everybody's walking up on stage. But to stand there and see the faces as they come up, it's like, oh my gosh, that there's Tiny Tim. There's the lamplighter from 20 years ago. And, you know, some of them are in wheelchairs now. And the kids who were kids in the show are adults now with their own children. And they come back and they some of them are in the show, which is it makes me feel two days older than water. But I, <laughs> it's wonderful to have the kids who've grown up in the show. They've gotten married. They have kids of their own and they bring them back to become part of the family. And um, that's so special. And it it's an honor for us that over the years, people have allowed us to become part of their celebration of the holidays. And that that's a, a blessing for us. It's also a responsibility because every year we want the show to be even better than it was the year before. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling people one year we're going to get it right. <laughs> and then mic drops. We're done. Yeah, oh, my gosh. But people, you know, every year they come up and say it was better this year than it was last year. And that's a tall order because, you know, in a year you can build it up in your imagination. It's like Disney. You go into Disneyland, Disney World, you build it up in your mind. Yeah. And when yeah. you get there, it's everything you thought it was going to be and, and, and more. And that's kind of what we feel about the show. We don't want to disappoint. We want to step up to people's memories of the show and, and be just as good as those memories of the show are. So, uh, and we, we have a cast and crew that is amazing. These, these people are volunteers and they come in and give up Halloween, Thanksgiving and work right up until Christmas. And the, the generosity of spirit is so indicative of the giving spirit during the holidays. 
and the audience coming to see a show during the Christmas holidays comes loaded for yeah, bear. Yeah. You know, we yeah, all have they're looking so for the magic <laughs> escape yeah. from the world. Get me, yeah. you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've I've said we tend to we tend to go back to Christmas past when we are celebrating Christmas. Yeah, We're yeah. so busy in the present that we don't really stop to reflect on that. It's not a memory yeah. yet. We have no claim on the future. So what we tend to do is go back to our memories of Christmas past. And that usually means we're thinking about loved ones who might not be with us anymore. And so deep down inside, there's a bittersweet quality to Christmas. The tree goes where it always goes. Those decorations on the mantelpiece, we know where they go. You know, so we put things back the way they were. But because there's a little sadness in everybody, uh, to have an opportunity to come into a theater and to let those emotions out, laughter and tears, and we try to have both in that show. So when you walk out having seen A Christmas Carol or The Nutcracker Ballet or The Messiah, something has happened. You've cleansed those emotions and you walk out being better able to celebrate the holidays. Yes. And I think that's that's what you want to do around the holiday season is to bless people's lives with an opportunity to come together, share, laugh together, maybe shed a few tears together, but walk out being better people. Because you're making the transition with Scrooge. You know, yeah. you don't realize it, but if if you laugh at Scrooge, the chances of identifying with him increase because he's not the old morose, you yeah. know, this, I mean, uh, uh, Charles Dickens wrote, we, we make him funny so you can laugh at him and then identify that little parts of you that are Scroogey around the holidays and blow them out of the pipes. Like, you know, you blow carbon out of a car exhaust, you know, and it's a healing kind of thing. So when you walk out, you don't realize that the medicine tasted good. It didn't have yeah. to, t- had to do good stuff. So it's I think- such a blessing to have such a gift to share. What a unique gift to be able to share that with so many people every year. Well, it's, it's Wonderful. our joy. It's our joy because when you're playing to 2,400, 2,700 people a night and you feel that love, uh, because so many of them c- have come back year after year. And it's like you're seeing an old friend mm-hmm. and we're all kind of together again. One more year, we've made another trip around the sun. We're a year older. And that's another thing, which I look forward to watching Ira. Yeah. As Continue I- it on. Yeah, as I've grown in the role, he changes every year. As I've matured and and my sense of humor or whatever has changed, uh, he's he's changed. And I had a dear friend who was a teacher of mine when I was in college who came to see the show after Ira was born. And uh, she said, you touch the children in the show in a different way than you ever have. And that came from being a father and holding my son in my arms. And it affected the way I could touch the 
kids in the in the in the show and and, and so Scrooge does change <coughs> excuse me each year and I say it's like meeting an old friend when you open the makeup box it almost jumps out on your on your yeah, face yeah. you put the coat on again and that's another thing um Scrooge's costume uh has been designed by a Hollywood uh costumer who worked for Alfred Hitchcock and John Houston and designed uh Scrooge's costume and nightgown and bathrobe the bathrobe is a copy of John Houston's bathrobe and the costumer's name was Rita Riggs and you can see her credits on a lot of Hollywood movies. And when Rita made the costumes and Ira and I put them on for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, it, it, <laughs> it just defined you. And you walked out and it was so beautiful. And Rita came and saw the show and was just so special. And again, another member of the family you know, um, in Hollywood, there were three dancers. Fred Astaire was number one. Gene Kelly was number two. Gene Nelson was number three. And one night, uh, the, they put Scrooge in the casket. And, uh, when the Christmas future comes on stage and it used to be one of those breakaway caskets that your head was in yeah. one <laughs> feet were in the other. And of course it's someone in the you know, the lower end whose feet are sticking out. Yeah. And when they opened the casket one night and they were putting me in, I looked down and Gene Nelson was my feet. He was, and I was just going, oh my gosh, Gene Nelson from the MGM movies. It's like, this is unbelievable. I had the most talented feet I've ever had in my life. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Well, I, um, I think we've covered all of our questions. Did I miss mm -hmm. any, Sophie? No, not really. Okay. So I'm going to open the floor up for David and Ira both to answer. And I guess the question and the statement is, is there anything you would have done differently? And I'm opening the floor for any last comments you guys want to make and and thank you so much for being with us today. Gee, Ira, you want to go? Did you mean differently for the show? Is there anything <laughs> differently you would have done at, for some episode or for some year? Is there anything different you would do or would have done? Because I suppose they're doing it slightly differently every single time. Sure. I can't think of anything I... I would change. I don't know if anything comes to your mind, Dad, because I, because every show has been a learning um, experience and a growth, and you know you can't get to those places without maybe stumbling a little bit along the way or figuring things out or you know you get that mold of clay and then geez, I mean shaping it for fifty years. Um, I don't know. Can you think of anything, Dad? I. I wish I knew then what I know now. I, I, I wish I'd had the maturity back when I was 27 years old when, when we started the show, and I'm 76 now. And I was chewing the scenery and carrying the coals to Newcastle and doing everything. 
and to to learn how to relax and and to minimize the things that you need to do not be so desperate to you know to 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 win them as just walking out and and letting them do the work you know they they bring the audience brings so much to the play and i i wish i had relied more maybe on that when i was younger and i and and realizing the that it was going to become a tradition uh i mean people have said did you did you think it was going to last this long in my heart and soul i think i did i knew it had a life because i could see and feel how it touched people and when we opened the show most theaters in raleigh were closed for the holidays people didn't have an opportunity to come out and see right. that. uh the nutcracker ballet i think toured from the school of the arts uh into memorial but that was that was about it and so our our whole way of thinking was look families want to be together during the holidays and so open the theater doors let people come in as a family and share time together that was the one thing we did right we were you know in the right yeah. place right show at the right time and um we touched we touched hearts and we changed lives and i know that that's true because of the stories that we hear and have heard for 50 years it's it's been a it's profoundly touched people's lives and that's a that's a great thing to take away with you you know and put your head on a pillow at night and go yeah i, I feel justified i you know we did good today yeah awesome a gift well, what a gift to so many exactly and well, and brenda I, I wish you could come up and come see it with us well which one year we tell the family every year, and this is important, the gift is always to the giver. You get out there on that stage and you work, but at that moment when we're all on the stage, when Scrooge has that change of heart and he sings Noel at the end of the show, you just feel it wash over. And, and that's a gift. That's, that's, that's a present to all of us on the stage is to feel that love and to know that people have the Christmas spirit and maybe they didn't have when they, when they walked in. Right. Yeah. Ira, thank you so much for joining us. David, thank you so much for joining us. It has been, it's, it's truly been our pleasure to have you a both blessing. here. Thank yeah. A blessing. Yeah. So thank is you what it's both. Been. No, thank you all. Thank you. I look forward. I know Sophie and I and Cindy, we are all looking forward to see you guys on December 9th. So we will see you at the two o'clock show and um, have to do this, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, where are my seers anyway? There you go. Oh, love it. If you if you want, I can bring you over a few pair of mouse ears you can wear during the show. That would you be know? fun. Hey, I got some glittery pink ones. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll be my last day in Walt Disney World, Mike. So be sure to record oh. some for me, if okay. you're allowed to record. I'm not allowed to record. No. I don't want to get I'm, arrested. Okay. <laughs> we can. That's we okay. Can record. Okay. Please. But thank do. you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you and, so much. 
And that is our feature topic next week. And I'm going to ask you to one last question next week. Our feature topic is your favorite Disney villain. I came up with that idea. You ladies think about it. And David, Ira, do you each have something that you want to add to that conversation? Do you have a favorite villain? A Disney villain specifically? Yeah. I, I like, any uh, villain, I suppose. Maleficent. Maleficent. Good choice. It's a good That's one. Classic. I know the 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 villainess that terrified me when I was young mm-hmm. was the witch in Snow White when the queen makes the transformation. Oh. Hands turn into claws and it's thundering and lightning. Oh man, I was terrified for weeks after I saw that movie. Because that's when you had to see it in the movie theater. Yeah. And to be a kid looking at that was just frightening. Did such a wonderful job. That and uh, Night on Ball Mountain. Turnabog. Turnabog. Lugosi came in and modeled for that cartoon figure. He brought his Dracula cape and the artists copied Lugosi doing that whole thing so yeah that's well dang daddy i'm gonna need to change my answer because david just stole it <laughs> that's okay honey that's okay because i well, mine is always maleficent especially you, you know the, the current maleficent i love that i love yeah that. love to hate her yeah well thanks guys for joining us i just have one thing wouldn't walt be amazed at what they're able to do with the movies now. I mean, indeed, absolutely. He would be. I think he would be on the vanguard of it too, man. He would be taking everything and using it. You know, he would. He would love it. He's yeah. a lot of lives, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, we always we always have a um, a walk quote, and what was it last week or week before Brenda's quote? She does that segment. And the quote was about the technology and how the computers are going to impact society in today's world, you know? So it it was pretty close. Yeah, we've only just begun that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, nothing like the real thing in real life on the stage, though. Nothing like it. Amen. All right, right, guys. Well, you all take care, and thanks again for taking time to join us. Thank you. And we will see you all on the road. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.